My name is Jeff Schuster, and you're listening to my MM BizCast podcast, where I cover a variety of topics that help small business owners and entrepreneurs. The topics that I talk about in this podcast include business advice, business mindset, and sometimes business political interests. And today, I'm going to be covering how business owners, especially small business owners, struggle with growing their businesses because they're not training up leaders in their business. Now, invariably, in a business coaching session with a client, we talk about the employees who my client manages. Now, as most businesses grow, my client is compelled to either promote one of his or her own people to a manager, or they try to hire a manager outside of his or her company. Now, as you can imagine, most business owners want to promote their own employees into management positions. In some cases, they promote their employees who then fail in their new role as a leader. Why? Because they haven't been trained. Now, in this podcast, I'll outline the five transition points that every worker must make in order to become a great leader so that your business can grow. Now, until they make each one of these transition points successfully, they'll fail when they're given a chance to lead. The first item is the value of leadership. This is a first transition point. It's just understanding what value you create as a leader. So when you get hired as a worker, you're judged by your productivity, your work ethic, and the quality of your work output. Now, it's quite normal to develop the thought that workers are doing all of the work and management is sitting around getting paid a lot of money doing nothing. This couldn't be further from the truth. Let me illustrate what I mean by highlighting the earning power of three different sizes of businesses. Now, the small solopreneur will tell you they struggle to make any money at all. They do all of their own sales and they deliver services to their customers, often making less than $20,000 per year. And guess what? The solopreneur has no managers and they manage no one. So if the belief that I just expressed is true, why isn't their productivity through the roof? Now, small business owners, one step up from solopreneurs, they hire and they manage their own employees, but they still struggle to bring in over $50,000 per year per employee. Now, in contrast, large businesses earn on average $270,000 per year per employee. Now, the uninformed is going to look at these numbers and they'll think, oh, well, these big businesses, they must be corrupt in some way. The truth is that big businesses value and invest in leadership training and structured management. The value of a great leader is that they can produce up to 10 times the income from their team than what each team member could produce on their own. Now, hopefully, you now believe in the value of leadership. And that was the first transition point. The second transition point is personality differences or personality conflicts. Now, we all have different personalities, and they're all grand. Unfortunately, many new leaders have no clue how to manage personality conflicts. There are four letters that make up the Myers-Briggs personality profile. The first letter is an I or an E for introvert or extrovert. The second letter is an S or an N for sensate or intuitive. The third letter is a T or an F for thinker or feeler. And the fourth letter is a J or a P for judger or perceiver. 
I don't want to get too deep into the Myers-Briggs system, but you can learn a lot about yourself and others by understanding your personality profile and their personality profile by doing a Myers-Briggs personality profile assessment. Now, my point in this podcast is that people within a team have a mix of these letters and personality profiles. All these personality profiles are highly valuable if you know how to communicate and leverage the strengths of each one. Now, a new leader, they often value their own style and they devalue their opposites, creating a lopsided favoritism in their team. If they can understand the advantages of other personalities, they can adapt and communicate much better with their team. By leveraging these differences, they can start to create the value of leadership that I just described. Now, the third transition point is the ability to build a high-performance team. Now, let's say you're a small restaurant owner. You have 10 people working for you, five in the front of the house. Those would be the servers, hostesses, those folks. And then five in the kitchen, the cooks, the dishwashers, and those folks. You're overwhelmed with managing all 10 of these folks. So you want to promote one of your kitchen staff to lead the kitchen employees and one of your front of the house staff to manage the other five. Now, let's say that you pay each employee $10 an hour. This means that you're paying a total of $50 per hour for the front with your five employees and another $50 per hour for the kitchen's five employees. So the total payroll in your restaurant is $100 per hour. Now, if you promote two of your employees to managers, you'll have to pay your managers more and you'll need to hire additional staff members to backfill the work that those managers used to do as workers. So if you pay your managers $15 per hour, your total payroll will jump to $130 per hour. That's a 30% increase. And I'm guessing that's not the kind of growth that you were hoping for, right? Now, you think that you can increase the productivity from your staff if your leaders can create that 10 times productivity that we talked about in the value of leadership, right? Well, the productivity will ultimately happen, but it won't happen right away. There are four stages of team building, and these four stages happen all the time. The first stage is forming. The second stage is storming. The third stage is norming. And the fourth stage is performing. Now, you don't achieve the higher productivity from the team until you reach that performing phase of your team. Now, getting back to your restaurant, let's say that your restaurant earns about $40,000 per month in revenue. Now, let's say that it takes you one month to go through each stage of the team building process. So here's how that would look. In that first month, in the forming month, you're going to increase your payroll by 30%, like we talked about and you're gonna decrease your revenue by 10%. And this may mean a loss instead of a profit for this first month, because after all, you're in the forming phase. This brand new team is just getting together and they're getting used to each other. Now in the storming month, it gets even worse. You still have the increased costs of 30%, but your revenues drop by 30% because your customers are seeing the inconsistencies of your now fighting staff. Now in the norming phase, in the norming month, you get back to normal revenues, but you're still seeing the 30% increase in staff costs and you're wondering 
why you promoted those two people to manager in the first place. Now, finally, when you get to that performing month, you're now seeing a 50% increase in revenue with a 30% increase in staffing costs. So now this teaming and this leadership thing finally start to make sense. But many business owners experience the pain of those first three stages and they give up. They never get to experience the improvement in productivity from that high performing team in the performing phase. The team building process is restarted every time a new employee is hired or an experienced employee leaves your team. Now the good news is that each stage shouldn't take a month if your leader has been trained and can move his or her team quickly to the next stage of the team building process. So that was the third transition point was team building. The fourth transition point is having your expert workers transition to manager. Now, now in companies with unskilled workers, workers are often eager to take on more responsibility as managers or supervisors of teams. But in skilled companies, the opposite is true. If you're a dentist, you went to school a long time to learn the skill of dentistry and you make good money practicing your skill. If someone were to promote you to manage other dentists, you would rightly resist. This is one of the reasons that skilled companies often grow as partnerships of multiple skilled professionals who continue to do most of the skilled work. Now at some point, even skilled professionals must transition to a leadership model to continue to grow. Now to lead in a skill-driven business, the leader must first have the knowledge of the skill that's being practiced. Second, they need to motivate the people that they'll manage. And third, they have to be willing to multiply their individual skill through the work of others. It's this third item that's the obstacle for most skilled professionals. Now, I'm an engineer. While I've managed groups of salespeople and construction managers and other engineers, I've always considered myself an engineer. I love engineering. I knew that the engineers that I hired had to become more proficient than me at engineering if our engineering firm was to grow. I switched from doing engineering to creating engineering systems that supported my engineering staff. I then trained and empowered my employed engineers to continue the work that I had started. Now, ultimately, we created engineering systems that were several times more efficient than our competitors. We turned our engineering efficiency into corporate profits. Now, for me, this creation of a highly effective engineering firm was much more fulfilling than doing the individual work of engineering. Now, this transition must be made on a personal desire to make a legacy change in the world that you can never accomplish on your own. And if you don't have this desired as a skilled professional, you should stick with your own practice. The fifth transition point that I want to cover is the notion of managing attitude or motivation. Now, if you have poor attitude, it's difficult to accomplish most things in life. Ironically, most people don't know that they have a poor attitude. This not knowing, dare I say, ignorance, leads to damaging the people that you lead. Now, us core energy coaches use a different term for attitude. We call it energy. I'll quickly walk you through five different energy levels or attitudes that I use as a core energy coach. The first level is 
victim. Now in victim thinking, leaders think that they're being sandwiched between customers and their employees. I mean, there's no way out. And with this attitude, you'll complain about the outside influences, excuses, and why your team is failing. The second level is conflict. Now in conflict thinking, you compete with other managers or other companies. You'll fight with team members. You'll think that your way is the right way and anything else is wrong. The third level is acceptance. This is a very peaceful but complacent place to be. You'll typically avoid disciplining failing team members in attempts to keep the peace. Now, the fourth level is compassion. Your team members are going to know that you care about them. And in fact, you probably are going to care about them too much. You may even sacrifice the mission of your team for the care of your individual team members. The fifth level is opportunity. If you can stay at this level, you'll be an awesome leader. Now, an opportunity, you constantly reconcile differences. You look at conflict as opportunity. Your team will continue to engage and grow at this level. Now, there are two more levels, but I think you get the point. Now, attitudes are not like personalities. A personality is a framework that you'll have for the rest of your life. An attitude can change over time. The first two energy levels, victim and conflict, are damaging and they're reactions to your environment. A leader cannot be a reactor. Instead, they must have a positive influence on the attitudes of their team members. The other three levels that I described are proactive. The higher the energy level that you possess, the more proactive of a leader that you're going to be. Now, this attitude or energy is contagious, and it's necessary if you want to motivate your team members. Now, there you have it, the five transition points that every worker must make to become a great leader. First of all, the value of leadership, understanding why leaders exist in the first place. Secondly, personality differences or personality conflicts and understanding how to leverage those differences. The third is team building, understanding that you have those four stages of team building, forming, storming, norming, and performing. Fourth is understanding how to shift from being an expert to being a manager of experts. And fifth is understanding how to motivate others, understanding where they are and understanding how to shift them up to that next level of positive attitude. I hope this podcast helps you understand more about what it takes to be a great leader. Now, I've created an online training system called Leadership Matters that trains each one of these principles. You're welcome to check it out at my website, which is www.mmbizcoach.com, and it should be in the products and services portion of the website. If you like this podcast, follow me on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash mmbizcoach. And also, please sign up to get weekly email reminders of new podcasts or blog posts. Until we talk again, I wish you the best with your business.